Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And we are back for uh, another great story this week. Um, Chuck, how do you think it went with the, the debrief with Marco? Um, I think it went really well. We've gotten some pretty good feedback already via um, Instagram and people are already asking us to do the next one um, and sending us videos, which I thought was funny. So yeah. that was pretty cool. And uh, we got some good videos. But yeah, I, I thought it went really well. And I think it engaged listeners to a different perspective, you know, because we only have that law enforcement perspective. Right. And we don't really have the civilian um, mindset anymore, especially not after doing this for over a decade, you know, so... We, yeah. we have, it's, it's good. It's good refresher to have that come in. And then we're, they ask us questions and we're able to answer them on the spot instead of us saying our two cents and then people having questions and not really getting answered. At least we can kind of try to nip that in the bud right, right off the bat. Yes. I thought it was, went well. Well, if you guys think it went well and you like it, then uh, let us know. But uh, speaking of um, bl- a fellow blue suitors, having fellow blue suitors on the show, our guest this week is a fellow blue suitor. My correct, uh, former blue suitor, ah, yeah, um, well, me too, yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, Chuck probably soon to be as well, um, yeah, just waiting on the clock to expire. W- welcome, w- what should we call you? Uh, you can just call me Mike, Mike, okay. yeah. I yeah. normally well, I'll, I'll ask that before we start, but I, I realized that, uh, you might have a nickname that you want to go by. Anyway, so Mike, you are a uh, former law enforcement, retired law enforcement. How do you, let's start there. How do you describe yourself to people? I'm an ex. Uh, well, former law enforcement officer, uh, former LAPD officer, uh, 14 and a half years when I was terminated. Um, and I was terminated because of the uh, LA, LA City's vaccine mandate, uh, 187. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm just a dad at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's go back then and talk about, as we like to do with our guests before we get into, because this is obviously why uh, Chuck brought Mike on is to discuss some of the real world stuff that's happening to our brother and sister officers out there in modern policing uh, since COVID and beyond. Um, Let's start with how you got into, you said 14 and a half years. Yeah. So how did you end up? getting into law enforcement to begin with. We like to ask our guests that. No, I, you know, it's something that I always wanted to be. Um, I grew up, I'm a transplant from Boston. Uh, so I grew up uh, in a, in a city just outside of Boston hmm. and, um, and a bunch of my neighbors were cops, you know, and back, back then you grew up, you either became a cop or you became a teacher. Um, and so I went the cop yeah. route. What about a firefighter? <laughs> yeah. I, well, actually, I did try to be a firefighter after 9-11. Oh, you, said it wrong. You, you know what's crazy? I've been out of Boston for a long time. <laughs> it's been about eight years since I've been back. Yeah. Anyway. You, you know what's crazy mm-hmm. is that you're not the first East Coast uh, person that I've talked to that's a law enforcement officer who mm-hmm. said that exact same thing where either we're going into law enforcement or you're going into teaching because one guy I know right. uh, very well, and he... he um, he made he made waves, whatever. His name is Joe Cerrito, and he's on LAPD. Um, and I know of him just yeah. from you know uh, the law enforcement professional background. You know, yeah, big. mutual agencies stuff, stuff like that, um, and aid and stuff. But he he was, Any I classes. believe, yeah, he was actually I think a teacher first, and then became law enforcement after nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I went to school for criminal justice. I got my my bachelor's in criminal justice from a uh, a small state school in Western Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And right from the beginning, I had always I always hung on to that dream of becoming a cop. And uh, you know, I graduated college in 1994. Just started just throwing an application mm-hmm. everywhere all over the East Coast, and it just didn't work out. You know, the Massachusetts State Police they I, I took a test with ten thousand other applicants. And, you know, they called me like seven years later and they're like, hey, buddy, you still want to be a trooper? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like, 
where do I go? Oh, I'll be here tomorrow morning. And, uh, you know, and it, I, I'm out there and it's driving. Really rain. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's fall. It, it, exactly. It's just like the departed. And, yeah, right. uh, Holy crap. And, uh, you know, but it didn't work out for me back on the East Coast. And mm. I, I had a cousin that's on LAPD and he kind of put the bug in my ear. He's like, hey, why don't you just try out here and, and see how it goes? So I did, you know, in uh, uh, early 2008, I got the call and they said, can you be here in three weeks? Yep. Gave my two weeks notice at the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office and I was out. What'd you I do for the DA? Uh, I worked at the Child Abuse Division out there. Uh, I was just more of like an office administration kind oh. of. Uh, oh, not an investigator. What's that? Not a DA investigator. No, 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 no. No, this was like I was bartending. I was bouncing. I was working for the DA's mm. office just trying to make ends meet until I got that call. So I threw everything in the back of my car. I put in I put in uh, the the address for um, for ARTC. <laughs> and for people who don't know what that is, what is that? Uh, that's uh, that's one of the academies, uh, one of the academy locations. Academy uh, that, Training Center is that it? Yeah, the the Amers, the Amerson, uh Recruit Training Center. Amerson. Okay, so, is that the one on Manchester? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, been there. I took some yep. training classes there. I did. In fact, there, it is entirely possible that I was there doing research while you were in the Academy. <laughs> Probably. Uh-huh. But I just threw that, I threw that address into my, my GPS and I just drove across country yeah. and I started the Academy like three weeks later, you know, it was just, it was a wild, I, I knew no one out here. I had no, no real family that I could speak of. And, um, I didn't even know my cousin that was on the job. So I just came out did here you- by myself and started the Academy. So when you put that 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 GPS coordinates into ARTC, and you drove, did you drive all the way down there, get your bearings, kind of know where it is, and then go to where you were staying? I didn't even have an apartment. I lived in an I lived in a uh, motel over oh. uh, in Lawndale for like three weeks before I wow. could find an apartment. Yeah, Crazy. Oh. I drove now, across it, the street like in in the middle of winter. It was it was wild. And you got now, to LA, and you went, wait, this is winter. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's hot dude um yeah. when you got hired and you you said three weeks to get your apartment what what was your because i've talked to a lot of guys who coppers who came around on around that time were you part of that 20 percenter that, that was getting paid like thirty thousand dollars in the academy or were you like actually getting paid like 50 60 right out of the gate yeah i was getting full pay right out of the gate uh okay. as a matter of fact my academy class was uh 308 and so we were part of that brand new sort of program that they implemented at that time. Um, so I, I, I had 154 people in my academy class. Um, and then when wow. everything was said and done, uh, we graduated with uh, 52, I think it was. Let's, yeah, now let's they're graduating what, like how, 30 how many? people? No, this last one was 124. And now they're down to starting a class or whatever with 24, 25 People. I thought that's how many graduated. That they may be how many graduated, and only and, and eight of them were not from LAPD. Well, yeah, actually, with that, the 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 newest academy class had twenty nine right. people. The last academy class that came out last week or a week and a half ago graduated twenty nine. But yeah, I think only nineteen were LAPD. Yeah, the rest were and, yeah. and else. Uh, it's strange how they can't hire wow. people to work there. Yeah, it's the Sorry. lowest, the lowest. Uh, They're below nine. Yes, in in generations they were saying. You yeah, know, since uh, yeah. since near Reardon. I was going to say, the, yeah, probably since the the late eighties, early nineties. The early. This 90s. is the first. This is the first time in a very long time that they're under 9,000 officers. They've always boasted we have ten thousand officers, right? Which was really like nine thousand, like six hundred. Yeah, like nine eight nine nine or whatever, and then they they got close to it once. It was like nine eight nine, almost nine nine, and then now they're below. They're like eighty nine, yeah. eighty nine hundred for the first time in decades. Yeah. yeah, you know it's like it, which is the smart time to start, you know, firing people. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I, you know myself and seven other people have something to say about that. Yeah, but uh, you know it's it's really bad because here we are we're saddled with a mayor that is a admitted communist. She, yeah, she wanted to implement this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. She wants to take away qualified immunity. It started when she was in Congress 
with her whole failed George Floyd act. But now we're mm-hmm. seeing this thing moving into fruition with these two dozen metrics that she forced Chief Michael Moore to adhere to so that he could get his his new contracts so that he can retire in two years with a chief's pension. I mean, if anybody within the city or the department thinks that he's going to last throughout this next uh, term, they're nuts. He's he's mm-hmm. out of here as soon as that two year mark hits and he can mm-hmm. pension off and he's going to leave the city. You know, for better or for worse, pension city mm-hmm. uh, for the World Cup and for the Olympics. And it's going to be in total disarray can be in total disarray. You know, this community, this community minded policing or whatever she's calling it now is just an absolute. It, it, it's horrific. And you see the results in like Memphis, Tennessee, you see the results in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where they lower the hiring standards mm-hmm. purposely to yeah. uh, get all those people to come in that normally would not be able to qualify uh, to be a police officer. Well, and then more is going to be getting a double pension. Cause he already yep. had his pension prior. He's got the, and he refused to give it up once he was, once he was um, brought into as the chief, but now he'll have a double pension. So he's well into the millions. How can he, he have a double? I don't, I still don't understand how he can have a double pension. He retired. Yeah. As whatever he retired as uh-huh. um, some deputy chief or some shit. And then he, yeah, chief, he, he has his pension from that. And then he was retired. Then Somehow he got back into the race of chief of police and they asked him, Hey, do you want to, will you give up your pension to come back? And he goes, no, if you're going to hire me, you're going to hire me with my pension. I'm not losing it. Right. And then they hired him, let him keep his pension. People were up in arms about that. And then now he's going to have his chief's pension on top of that. So he's got two pensions from the city of Los Angeles, from LAPD. <laughs> I, somebody's going to have to look at wild, that, dude. figure it out. Cause he should, hundred percent wild. He, he can get that chief's pension, but he needs to give up his freaking deputy chief's pension. Well, in order to, you know, I yes, think, in I order to become, in order to become chief, you have to retire or resign from the police from the actual department before you can take before you can be sworn mm-hmm. in as. So that's where that I is. Know that. Is it, so, okay, is that because it's now a political appointment, and so they make it a different job classification? And that, that now you're because of the civil service protections, right? Because that's my okay. So now <laughs> here's a little bit of inside baseball, ladies and gentlemen. Chiefs of police by design shouldn't have weren't supposed to be political appointments. What happened in the tens and twenties and it, it, well throughout history? Anytime the head of law enforcement is a political appointment, they are subject to political pressures. Um. This is how you get things like uh, friends of the department badges handed out to important political people. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this is all stuff that LAPD has done historically. Now, we're talking 100 years ago. Um, Anyway, my point being, LAPD tried to do away with that when they gave their chief civil service protection. Their chief was a member of their police department. He was the highest ranking member of their police department, but he enjoyed all of the protections. Any officer of that department had as far as keeping his job, which effectively meant as long as he didn't screw up too bad and get fired, he could be the chief for life. The city said, no, they decided to go to this two term system after Daryl Gates, because you know people have, I have fond memories of uncle Daryl, but uh, a lot of people, you know, there's a negative connotation with Daryl Gates. The most, probably the second or in fact, most beloved chief in LAPD history. So now you have a chief that's a political appointee serves terms, right? And is subject to the political pressures that caused chiefs in the past to hand out favors. That's where we're at. We're we've gone full circle where the chief, we decided, no, we want a chief to be subject to political pressures. So now we just have to wait till the chief of police becomes so corrupt that the public says, no, no, no. The chief has to be free of political pressures. Jeez, Louise, what a, what a shit show. It's an absolute shit show because you're also seeing that same sort of quote unquote corruptions within the uh, L.A. Police Commission, too. Oh, you know, know, and I've I've kind of knocked heads with the. you know, the president of the commission very early on when I, when I first got suspended, I had, I had talked openly about him uh, on the Stu Peters show 
And uh, it did, <laughs> oddly enough, when I when I went for my board of rights and I got my slate, it was it was all former command staff and uh, and a couple of uh, you know pretty progressive attorneys for the department. So, Jeez. you know. Now, what did they fire you under? Like, because I know everyone who's resigned from LAPD, because I, I have friends on the agency, and they have been getting letters in the mail asking them to return. So yeah. have you, one, have you gotten any of those letters? And two, yeah. what did they fire you under? Well, let's, yeah, let's back it up. Because we, we, we didn't even get, we actually didn't even get finished with how you fully became a cop, but we skipped. So now you're on the department, right? You've been on the department for a long time. 2019 things get a little weird towards the end of the year to say the least yep. and by february of 2020 what happens uh so around that time you know the when i finished up my career i was working skid row i i, I did like five years in skid row over in central division before that i was uh i had been voluntold to go up to uh devonshire up in the valley I was a case carrying investigator for juvenile division. I handled, uh, you know, felony crimes against kids. Uh, I was a CI, former officer of the year. Uh, and then I, I wet my whistle in Watts um, over in Southeast division. So, you know, I, oh my God, I love, I love being an LA, LAPD officer. But in 2020, uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, we were all uh, just doing our due diligence, you know, get row. You see what was happening. And, um, you know, I was I'd be lying if I said I wasn't afraid at first. But I mean, how do you mm. how do you dispel fear? You know, you you, you educate yourself on it. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I started educating myself on the, on what was happening. And I found these I found the doctors that they all wanted to silence. And I started listening to them and I did my own research, this, that and the other thing. Well, fast forward uh, to later that year, um, or actually fast forward all the way up to 21, you know, I had worked throughout the pandemic, you know, with the, I don't know if you guys know, they, remember they, they handed out uh, leather work gloves for us and uh, <laughs> science goggles to protect us very early on. Yeah, I had know? read that something the, about, yeah, I had read something about the PPE that was going around. I still yeah, that's down the there fire the shit. and a buddy of mine was like, yeah, dude, it's ter- It's like work. It's like gardening gloves. And yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I, I still have the unopened uh, package in my closet right now as a kind of a keepsake. Dude. Hey, but, guys, uh, there's this really terrible <laughs> Ebola, Hanta, earth killing virus going around. Oh, but when Ebola hit. PPE? Yeah, here's some fucking garden mules and uh, some Mr. Wizard you know, science glass or science yeah. class experiment glasses. That's what yeah. they gave to people who are working fires. Yeah, exactly. The, the gloves, the goggles, yeah. plus yep. a fucking shitty mask that didn't filter shit. It didn't seal to your face. It didn't do anything. Well, knowing know what happened, they called the fire department and said, what kind of PPE do you have that we can get a shitload of? It was of? all left over from fires. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then if it, you it remember, the masks, the masks came from, uh, from uh from Newsom uh giving a billion dollars to that uh Company. South Korean uh-huh. auto manufacturer BYD. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I worked throughout the whole pandemic and uh you know right around early fall, late summer early fall of 2021, you know, there is the rumor that the city was going to impose a a vaccine mandate on the workforce. Um you know, I had gotten together with some people that um that were of similar mindset that were going to say no. Um, you know, met with this attorney um, that was just not going to represent who I was and how I felt, because at that point, I knew exactly that I wasn't going to cooperate and I wasn't going to participate in this. You know, I had I had been getting complaints from the citizens about because I refused to mask. Um, I got I, I was getting screamed at by my lieutenant and things like that. And uh, I just said no. And. So after this meeting with this 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 attorney, I was like, "This guy is not. He and I are not on the same page." And I got with your attorney. Of, I'm sorry, your attorney, you and your Yo, and this attorney that that you know I was kind of part of this one group at first. Got and it. After, got it, got after it. this meeting with the attorney, I was like, "This guy does not know what he's talking about." So that was the precipice for for me to start roll call for freedom uh, with mm-hmm. two other cops and one of their wives. Um, 
And so we just started speaking out. You know, I told people like, hey, I'll take the slings and arrows. Um, just, you know, fall under the umbrella of Roll Call for Freedom and we'll fight back against the city. And, right. you know, uh, we wanted to join with firefighters. We wanted to join with the other unions, but nobody else was speaking up. I mean, obviously the firefighters, uh, you know, they've done, they've done a great job and they've got great marketing. You know, everybody loves a firefighter. <laughs> right. And so they, they've done a great job to bring awareness around to it. But so I started Roll Call for Freedom and um, right around August of 21, I got brought into my captain's office and they said, hey, by the way, you got you got doxxed by Antifa. Are you sure you're doing the right thing? You're going to throw your career away over this. And I said, fuck, yeah, absolutely. I'm doing the right thing. Um, and then November 3rd of that year, I got brought into the captain's office again. Hey, have you changed your mind? Have you decided to get vaccinated? And I said, no. And so I got presented with a 48 hour notice. I think I was one of the first ones to get presented with it. Um, and in my notice, they said, it's either you agree to let us deduct $600 a month from your paycheck to pay for PCR testing, which at the time when I was sitting in that office, mm -hmm. I knew very well that the PCR test had lost its EUA status. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to let you take $600 out of my paycheck. And so I, you know, very largely I wrote, I refuse to acquiesce to these mandates. Right. And later I turned in my gun, my badge and had my police power suspended. And, um, you know, I, and then I, I spoke at this giant rally in downtown LA on November 8th. And at that at that rally, 2020. I was, uh, 21, 21, yeah, uh, I was being surveilled. That's and, right. It uh, was, would be the vaccine time because well, the riots, the riots in 2020, they weren't fucking with officers during the riots. It no. was after the riots. Right. Yeah. happened. Yeah. That's and, when and, they know, really started messing with us. Yeah. I mean, and I was doing like 16 hour days, you know, 14 days in a row during during the, the civil unrest. And yeah, they didn't mess with us at all. Mostly peaceful protests. Right. Right. But um, yeah, so, you know, I was being surveilled and, and all this other stuff. And they brought me into the captain's office later on serving oh, with shit, a surveillance. And uh, and wait a minute. She, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Let's rewind that. Surveillance. For what? Uh, they were taking photographs of me while I was giving the speech on a on a regular day off. Um, my captain and his adjutant. And, but you'd out. already been relieved. Yes. So you yeah. no longer work there. Well, I was technically suspended or I was assigned to home. So you were on unpaid administrative leave. Paid up until you once you get suspended, you still get paid for 30 days. Hmm. And then it's kind of a weird process. Okay. But but regardless, you're technically still an employee. You're just in the process of them getting rid of you because they have to go through their steps. Correct. Okay. So they were they were supposed to, you know, um, you, you're supposed to have your Skelly hearing, right, right, and present you with the the evidence that they have on you. And and my Skelly package was like two pages, and it was two pages of of just bullshit. Of he refused to sign. This is the order, and we're recommending his termination. So on the 9th of November of 2021, I was given my Skelly, and then the chief of police signed uh, my recommendation for termination the very next morning. So I went on trial on December 6th. I did this. Uh, my, my, my board of rights was seven months long. Are you uh, shitting me? Holy shit. Seven months. Okay. So let's back up. How long does a board of rights on a typical employee termination last? Three days. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. three days. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's, that's long. Yeah. I mean, my, um, my, my, uh, you know, when all is said and done, I think there were like, uh, uh there were well over 1700 pages of transcripts in, in my, you know, my binders. No, I mean, it's not every day, all day, five days a week for seven months. No, but no, no, it was, uh, what do we have? We had like seven or eight days and, uh, it was just spread out, you know, oh, classic. Oh, Friggin' time. Sort of LAPD tactics, you know, let's bleed him dry. Um, let's make him sweat. Hopefully he resigns. But, you know, what? <laughs> it was too important to me. It was too yeah. important to do. Um, and I wanted to, I really wanted to show people that, you know, I made a promise to them that I would, that I would stay, stick this out. And that's what I did. 
You know, I mean, an, an oath isn't something that I take very lightly. Right. And, right. Well, and at that point, because you had already started your foundation mm-hmm. or your group, I'm you, you had, you had to back it up. You had, you had made a commitment to a lot of people and they were expecting you to stand up for what they had signed on for. And I get it, man. Like, like that's, that's important. A lot of, it's not bravery if there's not something to lose. Right. Right. You know, I mean, my growth really, my, my growth really started when I, when I realized that I didn't have to experience life the way that I'd been told to, Right. you know I mean? Um, we're all, we, you know, as police officers, we should all be critical thinkers, right? We're naturally investigators. We're naturally detectives. And it's our job to ask questions. I mean, if we're taking somebody to jail, we better have a damn good reason. We And we better have the reasonable oh, yeah. suspicion formed and all that other stuff. So it really bothered me when a lot of these guys just said, ah, I'm, you know, what? I, I don't want to lose my job over it. You know, I, it breaks my heart. And I don't, I don't, I don't hold anybody. I, I have no ill will towards anyone. You know, right. it's like for me, it comes down to personal choice. I mean, you've it's an understandable decision, but a regrettable one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you know, if we had all just said no, if we all just stood up in unison and said, no, I think we would have been, a, we would be in a different position today. But you know, you know what? Love- yeah. You had people that were afraid. You literally like, like the, I'm sure there were actual members of the Los Angeles police department who, were glad when the vaccine came out, glad it was coming, glad they were getting the shot. Like they had spent all their time working on the street, terrified they were going to get it, like all that stuff. Just because you put on the uniform and the badge and the gun doesn't mean you're all in the same mindset. Now, yeah, yeah. the percentage of police officers that were like, fuck this stupid shit over civilians is probably higher because like you said, we are taught from day one and and part of our nature is to question things that's why we became cops in the first place yeah and they teach you that in college too right no not anymore buddy no well, when i was in college they taught you you had a whole class on well, critical thinking yeah. and said question everything yeah. they used to <laughs> now they tell they they teach well they used to teach classes on critical thinking and then when you critically thought they just told you politely why you were wrong now they got rid of the tell you politely why you're wrong and they just tell you you're wrong <laughs> But that, I mean, that's that's the way the policing is moving these days anyway. Right. You know, you're getting these kids. I mean, you guys know when we when we became cops, what did they preach? The something called the warrior mindset. You're right. 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 And you either have it or you don't and you can't teach it. But all of these kids that are coming up now are soft. And I'm not saying they're soft, but, it, you know, in their convictions, they're soft. And they're just looking at this yep. job as something to to do and get paid every two weeks, you know, so they can go drinking down, you know, down in Long Beach or if they can pay for their, you know, 2018 Ford Mustang. You know, it's just like these guys aren't aren't questioning any any longer and they're they never wanted to be cops in the first place. So, you know, those of us no, they wanted to be action figures. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, I'll never forget towards the end of my career, you know, standing up you know, sitting in the, in, I was, uh, I think by that time I was four or five rows back in the roll call room, but these kids that would come in are, you know, 26, 27 years old. And when they do their one minute, one second, it was, well, sir, I used to be a cake decorator at Walmart. And it's like, what, you know, that's the mm-hmm. kind of people that we're encouraging now. Right. And, to be uh, a barista fucking like, all this craziness. Right. Yeah. And then when you ask him, are you prepared to kill someone? Right. And they're like, no, they're like the fuck, what, what are you doing here? Use because you have to be prepared to take a life, to defend your own life, to defend the citizen's life, to defend your partner's life. Yeah. And you're not willing to take a life. But how many of these cats had been in a fist fight before? You're like, None. this is just getting back Less to than the 10%. lack of masculinity. Right. You know, when I came on in 2008 of 154 people in my class. When they asked that question, how many of you have been punched in the face? I think there was only six of us that maybe raised their hands and they were all like ex-Marines. Right. You know, and it's just uh, like once a Marine, always a Marine. <laughs> Never X. <laughs> you know, don't take us down that rabbit hole once again. Yeah, uh, so not. so you get through your your hearing. Yeah. And 
Seven months later, they term you. You know, going into that very last day, it was July 1st of uh, 22. Um, I was convinced I had two of the three board members on my side. And, you know, they go into your rest and they go into their deliberations. And it was like 10 minutes they came out. And there was this one gentleman who was a uh, public defender. And I took I took a risk with him. I said, does he hate me or does he hate the department enough to give me, you know, a fair Mm -hmm. shake? Right. And this guy had this guy had his statement. Oh, he had it clean and polished, uh, you know, basically telling me that uh, that I endangered the lives of every Angelino and every (laughs) uh, and every partner and officer and person I came into contact. with. So he had his mind made up. Oh, yeah. From from day one, from day one. And they told me that, you know, to have this job is is uh, is special. And, um, you know, I didn't deserve to have it. So they terminated me on July 1st of 22. And so what what happened after that? I mean, how were you able to get a job in the meantime? And, you know, like throughout this whole thing happening and, you know, um, and have they changed their mindset now and asked you to return? Uh. Well, to the, to answer your first part, I have been unemployed for 21 months. I've been un- unemployed since November 3rd of 2021. Um, you know, I I had to sort of bite the bullet and swallow my pride, and I tried to apply for unemployment assistance. And um, you know, there was some collusion between EDD and the department, and they denied me uh, benefits because they said I refused a reasonable request by my former employer. So, um, you know, God. So they tried to say that you got fired for cause. Yeah. Yeah. So God works in mysterious ways. You know, I've, I've been, you know, thankfully before I went out, I had a a little bit of a payout for a a lawsuit, um, in on duty injury. And that's been kind of sustaining me. You know, I ended up having to sell all my stocks and all this other stuff. But uh, by God's grace, I was able to get on with a with another department uh, just last week. Wow. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we won't we we will we'll leave them out of it. Um, Yeah. They've been been, awesome enough to to take you on with, you know, all the bullshit that. Yeah. Former agency put you through. What is the status? I I assume that um the word sue is not a name to you. <laughs> well, it's hard, you know, it's um so those of us that were terminated, um you know, we went to we went to our union, the Police Protective League after our verdicts mm-hmm. and we said you know, we we were still members in good standing at the time and uh we had to appear before the league and basically beg them to help us fund our writs to go to court later on, you know, and uh, every single one of us were denied by the league. Uh, they said they, wow. they did this and, you know, uh, a unanimous decision. They, they fit, they, they denied all of us funding for our writs. So we all had to self-fund our writs. Five of us uh, have self-funded our writs. Um, since then, uh, former, LAFD Battalion Chief R.J. Kilpatrick has had his. He was the first uh, fire fire department employee to be uh, terminated. Um, he had his writ. They found in favor of him, but they refused to acknowledge the Skelly portion of it. Right, Skelly, the the landmark. Sure. Scotus isn't uh, you know, so they refused to return him to work. Uh, they gave him you know back pay and whatnot. Um, then. Another LAPD sergeant, former LAP sergeant. So he got back uh, pay, but he doesn't get his job back. Right, right. And that that's basically what's happening. They're awarding us back pay. They're acknowledging the 14th Amendment violations, the due process violations, the Skelly violations. Um, but they just have not found the fortitude to uh, send us back to work. To, you know. Now, to be fair, if the Los Angeles Police Department offered to take you back would you go at this point well a lot of things have to happen tom because i, I just met the department would you trust them again if they did every like because for example it, they could do everything right right they could do everything right but if they're still the same department they go through they they, they give you the apology they pay you back they 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 
bring you back on, but they're still the same department. Can you really trust them? Is my question. No, but I will not put in a religious exemption. I won't. Mm-hmm. I I think you it's have such. To. I'm sorry. You shouldn't have to. No, you shouldn't, and that's the reason why I stood so firm. I mean, it is such a governmental overreach. It, you know, it it, is. And, and we swore an oath to uphold the Constitution, and I find this so disgusting. Mm-hmm. There, it is such a governmental overreach to inquire to even inquire what my religious beliefs are what my deeply held religious beliefs are it's an insult it's an insult to everything that this constitution was written for the teachings of john locke you know alexander hamilton and and uh, thomas jefferson it is so gross what they're doing and they will never take the l for this and they will never give it up unless forced to right mm-hmm. right so you know people who attain power are, will never give it up easily and that's what the L.A. City Council and Mayor Karen Bass and and all of the subsequent lackeys underneath her are doing. They're just maintaining their power. Right. And, so and it's crazy. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, what's crazy is that when people join law enforcement, there was never a clause in there or department policy regarding uh, COVID COVID vaccines or or the SARS vaccine or any vaccine there therein that falls in that that field. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, it's policy. No, it's policy you just made, but have I signed it? Have I acknowledged it? No, right. you just you're making it, and you're you're trying to say that I have to conform to this when I hired under something totally different. And like you said, you know, I have to protect the Constitution, the Constitution of the United States, and the Constitution of California. And nowhere in those two constitutions does it state I must be vaccinated against this. And going back to like when Ebola was hitting LA and there was known Ebola cases in LA, which is far more dangerous than COVID, right? There was none of this. There was no uproar. It was just, hey, let's fucking hide it. Let's let's ignore it. Let's hey, just if you come in contact and these are the symptoms, back off, call hazmat, do something, fucking call people, don't touch them, type of shit. But with COVID, there was none of that. Yet now they're firing people over it and doing all this craziness. And they weren't even, they were stating at the very beginning, multiple agencies were, we will not um, accept religious exemptions and they have to be, they would give you a list and this is how it has to be filled out. And you have to get, you know, your father or the person who leads a church to sign this, to say all this other stuff, which is a gross overreach of power. And it does not have to exist. All you have to say is if you really wanted a religious exemption, Hey, I'm Christian. I'm Catholic. I'm Muslim. I'm Jewish. I'm not doing it. It goes against my religious uh, beliefs. How about how okay? About, and that should be it. How about this? Um, or no, I'm not getting it. I don't have to tell you my religion. Exactly. I don't have to tell you anything. I just have to tell you the same thing that you've been screaming at me since the '70s. My body, my choice. How about that? That argument went out the window, obviously. Very, very. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I, yeah, yeah, Mike, I, I, whew. okay. So, no, you would not trust them. <laughs> I think it's the, is the ultimate. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and Tom, it hurts me so much because I was this close away from retirement or being able to retire. Right. I'm a 47 oh, yeah. year old man that now has to restart his career. Right. Because, yeah lost my pension i lost my i still i i now owe like fourteen thousand dollars to uh the lapd relief association because they covered me for my medical insurance over while i was on trial right so i owe that money now i owe i owe everybody you yeah. know i i basically have to steal from peter to pay paul these days so um, what's going on with the court cases where they're recognizing that the mandates were unlawful and they're giving people their jobs back and things like that. Is that, is that going to help you? Do you think, I mean, I, you tell me where you're at. Cause obviously you're going to go after them and, and whether you can, I mean, whether you can sue them or not, or I, I don't know. I would think there's a world where you could sue them and say the damages are, I, I could have retired and had a pension, but now I have to go back to work. And I lost yeah. all my pension. So I'm not, I'm not only going to sue you for back pay, I'm going to sue you for damages for the amount of money I would have made had I been able to retire with you guys with a pension. 
you know that that's not that's something that's that's on my brain and i've been thinking about it a lot lately but i'll be honest with you what's on my mind right now is and again i have no i have no dog in this fight any longer i'm i'm a terminated lapd employee but through my foundation the most important thing for me is still fighting for the rights of every single la city employee inclusive of lapd la fire because they are still subject to this vaccine mandate it is still in effect every new employee that comes on this job has to get the vaccine you're joking or, no oh, shit, or, really? or submit a religious exemption ordinance 187 134 is a moot mandate because there is no verbiage in there that says you know the first series of shots and right. everything that comes after it right you can't even get the mono variant variant shots any longer there's no verbiage that says or whatever comes subsequently after so therefore if you can't get what if you can't get the shots for what this mandate was written for it has to be either renegotiated or sunset right mm. and that's what I'm fighting for i'm going to the LAC impossible to comply. It's impossible. Yeah. Right? yeah. And mind you, every single LAPD employee that's out there right now, or every sitting single uh city employee, city employee. Is, is out of they're out of policy because they either got the first series or the J and J one shot. Well, the CDC and Anthony Fauci kept pushing those goalposts back, right? Well, now fully fully vaccinated is going to be a booster or two boosters. Right. But the department did that because the only thing that the city was really cared about was the 1.3 billion dollars that they got from the government right. through through uh through the uh the, the PPP oh, act really fund yeah so you know and it's and it's crazy when you've got Mike Mike Moore going on a podcast in December of last year acknowledging in his That's official the chief of LAPD listeners yeah, just sorry he acknowledged in his official capacity as chief on an LAPPL podcast with uh sergeant well, Zambo police protectively go ahead thank you <laughs> put subtitles under there um but he acknowledged <laughs> the fact that the vaccines were not stopping transmissibility right nope so yeah whoops right so where is that now right where is that we're, you know we need people to start speaking up and speaking out over that because you know the, the the shameful thing is whatever is coming next, right? Like this disease X that they're prepping a vaccine for over in the United disease Kingdom. Right X, now. what's that? Yeah, you got to. They don't even know what it is yet, but they're prepping a vaccine for it. So you could be subject to either <laughs> the, it's what the vaccine against Christianity. <laughs> is this the new COVID? Like they're getting ready to release with China or what? They're the collusion with China or what? Probably. Well, wait, we won't get into that's a locker room podcast. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's uh, great. These these this mandate is still in effect. So all of your all of these city employees who are operating under their religious uh, uh, exemption are now subject to if the department says you've got to get this uh, this combo flu COVID shot, you've got to get monkeypox, you've got to get you know the RSV vaccine. Oh, okay. So ready, ready for disease X. Disease X is a generic <laughs> term they're using to refer to this new vaccine studying center that they uh, established in the UK so that they can pre-research vaccines and hopefully do the, the thing that's going to put them light years ahead for disease X, X being the unknown. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Go Thanks. ahead. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just saying, you know, it's so, it's still so important to fight against this mandate because 50,000 LA city employees and everybody that comes on after are, are subject to whatever, whatever the, whatever the city wants to do to you because they have this magical eight page uh, packet that you signed your name to and said, I, I agree to abide by, you know, um, by, by this mandate. So I'm just worried about, I'm worried about what it could become. And I'm worried that more people aren't upset about it. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, and it yeah. quite honestly, and I, and I don't say this with any exaggeration, it breaks my heart every single day to think about, you know, this kind of thing, because no one, no one should be working under these conditions, you know, where you have the carrot and the stick and they're mm -hmm. just using. 
and the lawsuits are just piling up. There's the there was the hospital employees or whatever they won like eleven million dollars or over eleven million dollars between them. Um, the lawsuits are just piling up. That's that's a tough one, and I'll say this too, um, because when I got into police work, people people who have listened to this show long enough know that um, there was a hot minute where I was in the background process with LAPD, and I moved on, declined their request. Um, but prior to that, I had talked to my dad who had worked for LAPD about becoming a cop. And he had said, Hey son, cool. Be a cop. Awesome. I'll help you just anywhere, but LA. And it kind of bummed me out. Right. Because I had grown up like admiring, you know, living in the city of Los Angeles, admiring, you know, my dad and his friends and the men and women of the LAPD and the badge and the uniform and the history. And he told me, he said, it's just not the same department. It's not the same. Move on. What year? This would have been 2001. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And that was still like, he said, son, year. don't go there. Right. Five years later, I'm in backgrounds <laughs> and I'm a lateral candidate who's treated so terribly by the guys in SID at Parker Center during the background investigation that I tell the guy, you know what? I'm leaving and you can turn in whatever report you want. And then I get a call from the background investigator and the polygraphics and to reschedule things and, Oh, inconclusive. And can we fix this? And I said, no, you know what? No, if this is how you treat guys that are already cops trying to go to your agency, I cannot imagine how you actually treat the guys that, you sign their paychecks and you can treat them shitty. And it was a, it was a huge sad. I was sad. I kind of, you know, the agency I admired and looked up to had died a little bit in my eyes. And now this is 2006, 2005. So three years later, you're going through the Academy and you're building a relationship and you're, you're, you're developing an affection for that same department. And I hate to say I'm not surprised, but I'm not surprised. It's, it, but I also understand that they held a special place in your heart. These are the men and women that you worked with. You wore the same uniform as you wore the badge with, you bled with, you sweated with you, you, the people of the city of Los Angeles, you made a commitment to. So to now turn around and not only not be able to serve them, but to have those same people talk shit about you is painful enough. But then like suing them is this entirely other thing. That means you're, you're hitching your wagon to the LAPD and having to go through and re rehash and relitigate and deal with all those same feelings again for God knows how long. So I honestly don't blame you for saying I have to really weigh that decision. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to live the, you know, since 2008, it was ingrained in me. I mean, it was already there, but it was defined. You know, you have the core values of this department. And I remember during my testimony I cited the core values of our department and I am abiding by A, B, C, D, E, and F. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, you know, there was even a point where my captain, my captain three testified um, that officers are obligated to ignore an unjust law. Mm. Right. Which is mm-hmm. what I was, this is, this is an illegal law. I, I'm not obligated to, to follow it. And she acknowledged that. And still, and, and at the end, you know, it's, it just, uh, it, it just fell on deaf ears. Right. So as, it, as it's going to. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in, in every, in every oral interview they give you for pre-hire or, or whatever, they ask you, you know, if there was an unethical command given to you, would you follow it or a command that you disagree or with? Some so sort of, like, well, if it's, right. And if you're like, well, if it's not unethical, I would follow it and then have words with the, the supervisor later and talk to him about it. And like, Hey, I disagree with this. And this is the reason why if it's unethical, you're like, no, I'm not doing that. It's not, it's not right. It's not ethical. Yada, yada, whatever. And you don't have to do it yet. This is the same 
this is in real real life, right? This isn't just some fucking question they're asking you on a pre-hire interview, right? This is actual real life. And then when you stick to those guns and you're like, this is completely 100% unethical. I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to conform to this. I didn't sign any papers saying I had to. Yet now yeah. you're going to give me the shit end of the stick and, and demonize me for doing exactly what I was supposed to do during my oral interview, the correct answer, and I'm doing it, and yet right. you're demonizing me for it? Crazy. F.O. Yeah, I, I would, I'm not even going to get into the fact that some of the things that the some of our league directors said to me, you know, it's just, it makes me so, it makes me so mad even thinking about it still. But I wouldn't change any decision that I've made in the last I wouldn't three either. years. I think you're right. Uh, you can take, you can take all of this away from me. You can take my badge. You can take, um, you know, take my police powers, take my career. But what you can't take from me are my principles, my morals, mm -hmm. right? Who I am as a man, who I am as a father. Because that was the that was one of the most important things is that in these trying times, this this uncharted waters, I have a boy who's eight and nine years old. And, you know, it was so important for me to set the good example so that when they look back on this crazy time in 10 years, well, dad, what happened back then? They have so much information of what I did and everything that I did was for them, not only for them, but for their kids, for your kids, for our grandkids, for everyone else's kids, because you have to stand up to tyranny. Mm -hmm. And that, right. that's what it comes down to. You know, that's why that's why I ran for the state assembly. That's why I continue to go speak in front of in front of the city council, because it only takes one brave man to set the standard. Right. When a brave man stands, it strengthens the spines of others. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. That. Well, I could say this, and this is, I think, a pretty good place to kind of full, fly full circle to is my old man who came on the job in 1971 and started the academy in 1971 uh, and discouraged me from coming onto the department because it wasn't the grand old lady that he used to be. I think my old man would be proud of you because oh, yeah. the advice that he gave me um, was specifically, and again, long-time listeners will have heard this before. He said, "If son, if it's not illegal, immoral, unethical or against policy you just do it that's what your boss says that's what your sergeant says that's what your lieutenant says right. that's what the captain says you just do it that's that's the way it works right whether yes. you agree with it or not you just do it you can grieve it later you can beef it later you can argue about it later but you just do it however if it is one of those four things illegal immoral unethical or against policy, you should fight tooth and nail, whatever it takes, mm -hmm. because yeah. you can be wrong and save your job, or be right and lose your job. So, yep, yep. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, um, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. You, you, we'd love to have you come back and update us on where you land and of course we'd also just love to hear you share some of your stories from your time at lapd but also um I'd, I'd be interested in finding out how you uh enjoy your new department compared to your old one because i i i i don't know the side i literally know nothing about your new agency we haven't discussed this uh i'll ask you about that after but um i do i'm curious to I'm, i am always curious to know what people think when they leave the Los Angeles Police Department and go to another agency. So, um, now I, uh, at this point in the show, you uh, will, as we close out, let our guests choose who they'd like to dedicate the episode to. My understanding is you have somebody you'd like to dedicate your episode to. Yeah, thank okay. you. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. It's been fun. And I think You're we've welcome. Oh, barely awesome. the surface. Just, you know? Yeah. Oh, this is a bigger conversation. But yeah. before we get to our dedication, um, I just wanted to take a second because it's kind of new and fresh um, and still in the news. Uh, just want to take a second to recognize the families of the three firefighters who went down in the helicopter crash. Um, we'll, we can dedicate future episodes to them. 
um, but at least wanted to think about the wives and daughters and husbands and mothers and sons and, you know, at this time, right after you losing somebody who was out there fighting the good fight. So I, I just wanted to think about the families right now. For sure. However, Mike, floor is yours. Yeah, no, I thank you again, guys, uh, Chuck and Tom. Uh, I wanted to dedicate today's episode to the memory of 26-year-old Monterey Park officer uh, Gardiel Solorio, who um, who was murdered one year ago yesterday uh, while off duty. Um, he was the victim of a robbery, and uh, and and three men murdered him. So I just wanted to dedicate it to the memory of him. Um, you know, a, a brave young man, young officer taken from us too soon. So. Well, rest easy, brother. We've got it from here. I remember that one being in the news, and it, yeah, <laughs> uh, young officers taken too soon resonates with me big time as our listeners will know, but any, anybody uh, who makes the ultimate sacrifice for their fellow man deserves to be recognized until there are no more people to recognize. So rest easy. We've got it from here. Mike, again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Number one, sticking to your guns, you know, having a spine. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of cops that I have seen kind of the compromises they've made with themselves during the pandemic. And I, I don't judge them for it. Everybody's got to make their own decisions, but um, you know, I've also thought about, man, if this, if this, this year would be my 21st year in law enforcement, it's so weird to say that. Right. Um, and I thought about that, which means that I would have been about a 17, 18 year, 19 year veteran when all this stuff was going on. And I've often at, thought, what would I have done? Right. The mandate would have come my way. The mask thing would have come my way. And so I, I, when I'm talking to you, I like to think that I would have handled it the way you did. Bro, you would have went out injured and then retired at 20. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what that I close. If I was that close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, ooh, I tripped. Ooh, ow, my back. Ooh, ooh my knee. My, my neck. My back. My neck. And my back. <laughs> no, oh, I've got yeah, uh, to give it up, though, guys. Uh, you know, it's it, it's not just me, but, you know, there are seven other coppers that got fired. You know, and I I appreciate them yes. for for everything that they stood for. There's been three firefighters that got fired, and an untold number of civilian employees that stood their ground, and they found the bravery to do what was right for them. You know, and again, I don't knock anyone for the choices that they made, but right. when the time comes, you know, you have to you have to have a choice, right? No one has ever complied their way out of tyranny, and you know. If I could just close with, uh, there's this cool Bible quote that I like uh, from 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13. It says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Yep. Be better. Uh, that is that is powerful, and I could not agree more. And I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you like today's podcast, the content we provide Please help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you subscribe to. Our podcast is on all available major podcasting platforms as well as on YouTube. Reviews and ratings are how the podcast platforms decide what to recommend. So your reviews really help us grow the show. Also, please give us a follow on Instagram at war underscore uh, underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. Sorry, that's a mouthful. If you already follow us, please like and share our post. If you, if you click the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to reach all of our social media sites and our website. Another way to support us is by visiting our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com and grab some of our merch. We have shirts, patches, stickers, will be hoodies available. If you think you have a story and you want to tell your story or be a guest on the show, please email your info at, in a brief description of your story to us at booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that is booking.warstories at gmail.com. So I can get you booked. We are always looking for veterans, law enforcement, corrections, firefighters, medics, but also dispatchers and nurses. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, 
let them know about us and give them our booking email. Again, thank you for the support and stay safe. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.